Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to a new episode series, maybe we'll call it, called Lesson Plan Rescue. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Marie. We took a long time trying to name this. We did. We did because we were like, really, it's it's kind of Q&A, but it's more like get into it. Yes. I, it's deeper. Do you, do you see the difficulty we had, everybody? We, you, okay. So we sent out a survey over the summer yes. to our listeners and we yes. said, what do you want more of? And the overwhelming consensus was really, really nitty gritty, detailed lesson plan level types of advice. Cause Marie and I do a lot of like big picture things, but we try yeah. to zoom in and zoom out. It sounds like you guys want a little bit more zoom in. Yeah. So this is like a zoom in type of like episode. coaching type bite-sized coaching. And we're calling it lesson plan rescue where you yeah. know that you've got certain things under control. You know that you've got certain areas that aren't working. So let's pinpoint those areas that aren't working and triage. Yes? Yes. Yes. So the first couple of these are going to actually, what we're going to triage comes also from that survey. So look for another survey, maybe in the winter time when we need more stuff, but we got plenty for now. These are topics and issues that we hear from people frequently that they are struggling with. So we have kind of like this sentence starter in mind for a lesson plan rescue. And it's, I know it's important to do this, or I'm doing this and it's fine, but... Mm-hmm. Either like I need to step it up a notch or I need a better way to handle it more gracefully or I need a new way to make it more interesting. So there, there are yeah. lessons that are going okay, but need a little fresh, right? Like adjustment. Or they're happening and they're starting well and then the end goes spiraling downward or vice versa, right? It's just really hard to start, but like you can get somewhere. You just need a smoother transition or something like that. Today, we are going to be zoning in on one of our favorite things to talk about, close reading. So we are excited to jump right in. Are we not? We are. Yes. We are. You know what? Let's just do it. Stop talking already and cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, let's talk about close reading. Let's talk about close reading struggles. Let's talk about what often happens once you get to a really good rhythm, right? Like things are happening. Kids are trained in close reading. They know what to expect. They know generally how to do it. 
And then, Amanda, what happens? It feels boring, repetitive, and stale. Stale. Like the crackers that got left open in the cabinet. You're so excited to bite into those wheat thins. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. And like, you're getting your plate ready. The cheese is there. Maybe some fruit. And then you sample a quick cracker. I it just I hate when I bite into a stale cracker. It's the worst thing ever. It got away from you, Marie. It, it did. It did. It's your face made me realize I was going off the deep end. Okay, it close was, reading. I already brought my brain back somewhere else. Okay, so let's let's really just take one quick little tiny step back and say that if we were to categorize these lessons into like beginner, intermediate, and advanced, I would say that this is a, in terms of close reading, an intermediate to advanced kind of episode. So we are assuming that you have done a couple of things. One, you've listened to our episodes where we talk about close reading. Mm-hmm. Two, you may have attended a workshop. Um, maybe you took my masterclass on close reading. You've done the preliminary right close reading work. If you have not, we will link all of the things in the show notes. So please go there. If you're really like a uh, close reading, I don't even know what that is. This episode might not be ready for you. Like listen to it, but also know that like there's a lot behind what we're saying. Because if you're at the point where you're getting stale crackers here, that means that you've already <laughs> you've been doing this a lot. So I would say that as like a little tiny caveat and a good yeah. reason for you to deepen your practice would be go to the show notes right this second and get your hands on some of the other things that are more intro. We didn't want to do another intro lesson because there are so many times we've already done that level. So we're jumping in the deep end here. Yeah. All of our workshops have close reading, like walkthroughs, uh, curriculum rehab. We talk about close reading as a great practice. So this is, if you are comfortable in that zone, let's talk about what happens when you get too comfortable and how to mitigate that. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. Because so. I have to, I was about to say, well, from the beginning, you know, I was about to go myself like back to the beginning yeah. of close reading. And I, I'm not going to do that because we don't have time. But I do want to share my solution. And then Marie is going to share her solution. My solution. So we have oh, two solutions. These are our, our these are our first go-to solutions. And then I'd try Amanda's and then she'd try mine. And that, right? Because, you know, you have the kids for, I have kids for 18 weeks and we are close reading at least twice a week. So it gets yeah. stale fast. They develop these skills quickly and it's, it's a delicate balance, right? Like you want to make sure that students are adept at doing a close read so that you can get more and more difficult tasks that you're asking them to do with the close read. You want to get like deeper layers of analysis going on, but also that repetitive action or like activity just kind of gets a little. So you want to have a few different ways to shake it up, man. Yeah. A little, little, different in the way you're approaching a close read. It's still close reading. We're just going to shake it up a bit. Okay. Ready? I'm int- I I like yours a lot already. So yeah. Okay. So let me walk you through my solution that I like to call close reading side by side. So like the reason we're giving you two solutions is my solution might not work depending on right where you're at and what you need. But the idea here is to picture in your, whatever you've assigned for reading, two scenes that would either complement or contrast each other in an interesting way. So first and foremost, you've got to have the right scenes. So my example I'll give you is in A Thousand Splendid Sons, there is a chapter where the beginning opens and the main character 
is really excited. She's going to go meet her dad for the first time. Um, There's all this hope and anticipation. I'm not going to give you too many spoilers, but let's just say at the end, things are not so great. Like, really bad. Like, we actually have, like, trigger warnings for suicide by the end of this chapter. So things things take a turn, all right, in the story. So typically, you know, we would be wanting to, like, focus on the events of the middle. This idea, actually, what I did for close reading was we put the scene from the very beginning of the chapter on the left, the scene from the very end of the chapter on the right. And the students are going to go through both scenes looking for the same things. So I have them looking at symbolism, imagery, and structure. And so what they're able to do is do, they can do them on their own, right? This is symbolism in scene one, imagery in scene one, the structure of scene one. What do we notice? What do we find? Then we can do scene two, symbolism, imagery, and structure. And then all of a sudden, kids are having these moments of overlap. And so what a side-by-side lets us do, and in this case, it's like a, a beginning end chapter situation, you get the opportunity to talk about changes over time, symbols over time, the way that things change, manifest, turn, transition, because you're not just doing one single scene. They're very short, so like it doesn't take longer time. But what we're looking at is two separate moments in time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so the the conversation and the close reading gives us a chance to really look at even more than we would have if we would have read either one of those scenes in isolation. So physically on the page, so I've got a four-column setup. The far left column is for annotations and notes. The next column is scene one. The next column is scene two. And then the far right column is for annotations. And so the scenes are literally right next physically to each other. Physically side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically yeah. side by side. The highlighting is the same. So they're going to highlight for symbolism in green on both scenes. They're going to hi- highlight for imagery on both scenes. It's going to help them visually see patterns and things that are repeating, things that are changing. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to do close reading. It's also a way to not only cure things from being stale, but to step up the rigor. Um, this is, this is something again, like in all of our close reading examples, the scaffolding is right. How much is teacher led students in groups, students independently. So even this can be scaffold, right? This can be, it's a, it's a step up from a single scene, but you can still do teacher led students work together on the other scene. You can do students do one scene each and then they come together and talk. You can do it all independent. Like there are so many ways for even you to diversify the delivery of this. It give, it's, it's, it's even more than just one solution. It's multiple. So I really love a side-by-side when you have the right kind of contrast or the right kind of opportunity. Um, I'd say, especially with symbolism, I think symbolism in a single scene is usually kind of, meh, right? Because you don't see the symbol do anything. It's just kind of there. But if you see the symbol introduced in one place, and then the meaning takes on something more significant later, that's a really cool opportunity. Uh, Obviously, characterization is great because characters change and grow over time. I'm thinking about like Fahrenheit. This would be really cool to do at the Uh beginning of part one and then another scene when Montag is making some changes, right? Like this is side by side works really well when you want to set up intentional conversations around 
contrast or patterns. So I have yeah, rambled I mean, a lot. Well, no, I'm not even just thinking like, no, how thoughts? cool would it be to find tone and Absolutely. tone shift? And yes. right, like that's that's a great way to really like hammer that in. That's fantastic. And it doesn't have to be a whole new. I, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, like way to do close. Like it doesn't have, you no. don't have to rethink the closer. You just do no. two of them. You just physically change it. Like that's it. It's still, you're still doing the same stuff. I also made them shorter. Right. So like, I yeah. think that one and two, they're like maybe 50, you know, like not 50 words, maybe a hundred words each. They're sure. still really bite size and it, it works. Well, it's almost more rigorous at that point because there's yes. less to work with and you have to yes. dig in to actually find stuff. Well, it, it also sends us back, I think, to the episode when we talked, Marie, about helping kids read at home and like letting go a little bit of that control. When you do a close read side by side of beginning chapter, end of chapter, or beginning of part one, end of part one, it's okay for students to have different levels of understanding of what happened in between. It's a great opportunity to quickly bullet point through from the kids what happened in between mm-hmm. and to value the skill of reading over the like 100% comprehension of every single moment that happened in between. Cause really what matters in this moment is do we understand, right. The way that things have changed over time. How we got here. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't need to be this like multiple choice detail for detail understanding. Yeah. And there's a time and place for it, but like, this isn't it. Yeah. No. Yes. Absolutely. It also, and I'll say too, it just, well, it sets up for great writing too, right? This gives you a wonderful writing prompt, the before and after. It's not hard (laughs) for kids to quickly get into writing that analysis. Today's EQ tip of the day is brought to you by none other than me, Amanda at Mud and Ink Teaching. And what I want to share with you today is a tip that will absolutely help you take a nice, deep, calm breath when it comes to writing essential questions. Okay, so here's my tip. You have probably been through this process if you've been hanging around the podcast for any time here, and you've been there, you've drafted essential questions, you've thought through them, you've maybe even talked them out with a colleague. Here's a tip that has helped me over the years. There's actually two parts to this tip. Part one is to really approach a new EQ as a draft. Yes, you're going to write it down. Yes, you're going to commit to that version of the essential question for your unit. Eventually, you have to. But in the back of your mind, remember that every time you do an essential question for the first time, it's actually in draft mode. No one else needs to know this but you. That said, here's the part two. While you're in draft mode, feel free to rework it a little bit as the unit goes forward. So let's say you started your unit with a to what extent question frame and you're going, but you feel like every time you say it, it's getting stuck in your mouth or it feels like it's too stilted or it feels like it's not packing the punch you had anticipated. As you go into this EQ, have in your back pocket a couple other ways of asking the same question, because then you can play with the way that you share that question with students, the way that you write it in handouts. And by the end of the unit, you can kind of arrive at a version that feels the most comfortable to you, the version that the kids responded the best to, and then that becomes your final draft for next year. Or 
you find out that this was just not a great EQ or, or that this EQ just didn't work the way I hoped it would with this text or these skills. And that's totally fine. You didn't lose anything. There's nothing that's not valuable about what you all just went through. But I think by having the mentality of keeping an EQ in draft mode in your mind and having a couple other versions or stems that you can fall back on should you need to, you're going to feel much more confident about moving through your essential question inquiry journey, knowing that those two things are at your disposal. For more on essential questions, of course, follow me on Instagram at Mud and Ink Teaching, and I'd love to share with you some of my brand new essential question adventure packs. I'm going to link a couple of them in the show notes. I'm also going to link a special coupon code for you. And I am at the point where we are going to have so many essential questions to choose from in those EQ packs that you won't even know what to do with yourself. Each essential question adventure pack comes not only with the EQ, but also with a gateway activity, templates for lesson plans, five fully original written supplementary text lessons, evidence trackers, pacing guides and calendars, and of course, summative assessments. All of the packs are completely unique from one another, featuring totally different essential questions. And don't worry, I also have your back covered with book suggestions. So whether you're looking to start a new unit with choice or a new unit with a whole class novel, I've got you covered. Head to the show notes today and see what I can do to make your life so much easier and everything in your classroom even more engaging. Okay, so my solution is creating a what I call a close reading round robin. So a round robin tournament for anybody that's like, I feel like I've heard that before, but it's where teams are all playing and in round robin, they each play every single other team in a tournament. It's not necessarily bracketed. You play everybody. So that's the same sort of idea that we're going into when it comes to a close reading round robin. I like to put students into small groups twos, maybe threes. And each small group is going to become a quote unquote expert. So it's kind of like jigsaw in that way in a certain thing that we are looking for in this close read. So in any given close read passage analysis, we might be looking for, I don't know, two or three very specific literary devices or different strategies that we are looking for. So like whatever it is, let's say that I've got four different things that we're looking for. We're looking for character development. So a group is going to be responsible for that. We are looking at, I don't know, help me out here because I'm totally spitballing. Tone. Uh, tone. We're looking then at mood and we are looking at foreshadowing. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. So basically <laughs> my class of 40 is going to be broken down into smaller groups And each of those smaller groups is going to go into its own round round robin style tournament. I will have broken my students down into pairs. So now I've got 20 groups. Each of those 20 groups is going to see the same four passages. I'm going to have to literally draw this out because I'm realizing that auditorily, this isn't going to make all that much sense. But basically... I'm with you, my partner. You and I are responsible for being professionals at close reading for tone. Uh huh. We are going to start at our table and we're going to close read passage A for tone. Time's up. We're going to round robin rotate to passage B. And the kiddos that were just looking at, you know, passage B are going to go to C. 
but they're looking at character. And so they're going to see four different passages and annotate character. We're going to see four different passages and annotate tone. I think I was trying to do the math of a big class of 40, but you can kind of see then how all I'm doing as the teacher, I'm finding four passages and I'm telling them what things that they're looking for and I'm putting them into groups. And then they rotate around and they see four different passages. And when they get back to their seat, they're able to see everybody else's work in those passages. And what's cool about that is that each pair that looks at tone is going to look at character next time. And it's going, because like I said earlier in this episode, we do close reading multiple times a week. So we're then changing it up. This is not something I would start the year with. This is something we're doing way towards the end. But when it really gets stale, this is a great way to get physical movement, change things up, get students uh, talking to each other. They can ask questions of the other groups that saw their passage. Like, where did you get that? They can kind of analyze each other's work. I hope that that made sense. I'm sure friends. Okay. I'm sure that our listeners will tell us if it doesn't make sense because they'll ask questions. So please do. And like I said, once I get to the point in the school year where I do this again, I'll make a video of it. It's just hard to describe, but it really, I mean, you can do it in different ways too. You can just have them like move papers. They, you know, there, it doesn't have to be as grand as a full round Robin style tournament kind of a thing. But it's a way to think about seeing lots of different stuff because that's what we want kids to do is rinse and repeat the same strategies and habits and like like that they're learning and mastering these skills in different well, ways. Well, here, and this is something that maybe this episode is we're almost out of time, but maybe we'll t- we'll talk about this in happy hour. So what I've done is almost the same thing, but switched. So instead of you, be, your expertise is in the skill area, everyone has the exact same passage. There's only one passage and okay. you rotate through stations. So you take your, you take your passage to the tone station, you yeah. annotate the tone, you take your passage to the character station, you annotate for character, you take your right. So like, I wonder if maybe that next conversation is going to be, what are the advantages of, of, bo- of either one? Like the, what, what do you get from those different scenarios out of kids, because that's the whole idea, right? With close reading is it gives you a different way to narrow the focus and you as a teacher know what your kids need to work on. And that is that a more broad sense of close reading, or is it going to be like, I really want these 10 kids, like they really struggle with tone. I want them to be in this tone world or like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the differentiation options are pretty cool. We should talk about that more. I think we absolutely should. And I mean, I have a whole nother idea where students are doing more of the legwork that we will have to put into happy hour. So happy hour members, we're going to do an extended episode on this lesson plan rescue, just kind of debriefing a little bit further, these two different like round robin stations, what's going on there. And then let's talk about putting more of the onus on students so that they're more responsible for that. That will be coming to a happy hour episode near you very, very soon. (laughs) Thank you, friends, for listening through. We know it's hard sometimes to see what we're talking about. So we're trying to describe it in a way that just inspires ideas more than anything. There are so many possibilities. But once you get something like under control, you go, oh, I'm bored with it, too. So the kids must be. And sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. So let's keep these different ideas for differentiation in your pocket at all times. Yeah, and don't forget to head to the show notes for yep. more right stuff to help you along the way. Um, because as we've said before, I think the most important thing is to remember that 
keeping consistent practices in your back pocket that work. There's, you don't need to change what you're doing all the time. Close reading is something you should do all the time, but variations on that same thing are what we're trying to share with you here. And we're here just to encourage you to keep going. Like it's, it's okay. Keep going. And you've got this. Yeah. And I think in our extended episode, I'm going to go through like specifically how I prompt students to like, I'll, I'll, I'll read it out for you this time okay. instead of describing it the way I did. So get ready for that. All right, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, like Amanda said, head to the show notes. We have all of the linky links and the clicky clicks and the Reese's sources. Nope. Okay. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 